City of Heroes Podcast, Episode 5. City of Heroes Podcast, Episode 5. City of Heroes Podcast, Episode 5. Welcome to the City of Heroes Podcast, a resource for the casual Heroes gamer. My name is Chooch, and I'm here to explain basic and intermediate features of COH, as well as giving tips and answering your questions about this great MMO. Hi, welcome back. This is part two of episode five. The main topic is all about enhancements, but first, we're going to have our faction discussion about the Carnies. Our shiny object faction for the week. Actually, now, the last faction we did was Circle of Thorns, which is a much lower they are very high level circuit well, they go all that the way kind up. of continue through the game but yeah. we wanted to get somebody that you're going to see right away that you'll be able to experience and you'll right. already know their backstory I thought maybe we'll go a little different and go to a very high level faction that you're not going to get introduced to for a very long time. I was very excited when he said this. I started <laughs> clapping my hands and saying, Carnies, Carnies! Carnival of Shadows. <laughs> yes, I love, love Carnival Shadows. Oh, love them. <laughs> So, quick overview: the Carnival of Shadows is a circus whose performances are well known among the wealthy and influential people of Paragon City, who are often part of their audience. But none of them suspects the true price they will pay to the Carnival for their arts. The bright and cheerful appearance of the Carnival betrays its fearsome powers and the dark past of their leaders. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this very high-level villain group can be fought in City of Heroes between levels 40 and 50. The carnival is present in City of Villains as well and can be fought from level 30 to level 40. Now that said, of course, you can have your little level 1 being PL'd and have him mm-hmm. sidekicked up on a mission with those. So it's sure. not that you can't access it until you're 40. It's that that's when you get them in the natural right. range of missions. Mm-hmm. They uh, You run into them a lot in uh, Peregrine Island yeah. when you're... Jumping portals and uh, yeah. doing those higher level missions. Oh, yeah. The carnival was actually originally named the Soul Scavengers. Though reading a little bit of history, I don't know that they were ever known by that in an actual issue or in the actual game. I think it may have been simply in the development. Yeah. And then they became the carnival before they actually launched. The background is a very dense story. It's we a will, fascinating story, yeah. though. And I tried to cut it down, but there's still a lot of details and uh, intricacies to the story. I'll link to the the full official background background, <laughs> background on the website. This that's which is where this came from. It came from the actual City of Heroes website. Right. This wasn't stuff we came up with. This is their text. As a paraphrase, the Carnival of Shadows was started at the end of the 17th century in Venice by a 15 year old girl named Giovanna Scaldi. Giovanna discovered that she had powerful psychic abilities. She discovered a secret underworld of Venice filled with rare luxuries, forbidden pleasures, and occult mysteries. Giovanna fell for a mystic who called himself Uriel di Inferno and revealed her abilities to him. He helped her explore the extent of her powers and showed her how to increase their limits. 
Together they stormed Venice, and soon their sinful soirees spilled out into the public plazas and even the Doge's palace. The city kowtowed before her and threw itself into a debauched frenzy which only served to increase her power. She was forced out of Venice by a secret investigator dispatched from Rome who hunted down and arrested all of her followers. Uriel performed a binding ritual that allowed Giovanna to project her essence into a porcelain mask. The plan was for him to travel far out of the city and find a suitable woman to act as a host for Giovanna, since she would surely be found and killed. Unfortunately for Giovanna, Uriel's plan never came to fruition. He was apprehended while attempting to flee the city. 300 years later, in July 2000, an art history graduate student named Vanessa DeVore was studying in Florence. She didn't know it, but she was a distant relative of Giovanna. On a weekend trip to Venice, she found and bought a chipped and discolored porcelain mask, she cleaned and repaired the mask, and finally tried it on. Giovanna's mind roared forth and nearly overwhelmed Vanessa. The spirits wrestled all day and all night, driving her body into shock. A maid found her prone body on the floor and removed the mask. She was still alive and traveled back to Paragon City. There she researched the history of her ancestor and the mask, but was too frightened to touch it again, until the Ricti came. Witness to the horror and devastation of the Ricti, Vanessa felt she had no choice but to don the mask. Vanessa had an offer ready for Giovanna's spirit. Work together and share their resources, or else both would die. United in purpose, Vanessa slash Giovanna did her part against the Ricti. Although she could not mentally dominate the aliens directly, she created an army of perfectly coordinated, fearless soldiers under her mental halo. She fought until her near collapse, and then in a moment of desperation, pulled too hard on a subject's soul and consumed it in a flash of hunger. Although horrified by what she had done... The rush exhilarated her and recharged her. As long as she had souls to sustain her, she could fight indefinitely. When the rickety portal was destroyed, all of her puppets were killed. Cut off from her resources, she collapsed. When Vanessa awoke, free of the mask, she longed for Giovanna. Vanessa reclaimed the mask immediately. United now in shared history and close friendship, Giovanna convinced Vanessa that she needed a reward for her good service. Giovanna helped Vanessa build her own little version of paradise by seducing and dominating the young and wealthy of Paragon City. She reveled in the luxury, but soon felt directionless. Vanessa and Giovanna agreed upon a new purpose. Vanessa would create a haven of safety for herself and her closest subjects, keeping them safe in in this dangerous city. She knew she could not always be on guard, and so she chose her ten favorite subjects, all young and beautiful women, and transformed them into psychic street fighters, able to pull knowledge from their foes' minds to counter any attack. Emboldened by the first success, Vanessa and Giovanna began cherry-picking recruits in earnest, empowering them into a super-powered strike force. The Carnival of Shadows exists principally to cater to the needs and desires of Vanessa DeVore in the spirit of Duchess Giovanna Scaldi. In return, Vanessa has built a decadent and insulated environment for her subjects, in which they may enjoy whatever pleasures they desire. All she asks in return is their absolute loyalty in the ongoing battle against her many enemies. Of course, since Vanessa dances through the minds of each and every one of her followers, they are always happy to do whatever she asks of them. However, to keep her energy levels high, Vanessa needs a constant stream of souls. If her powers fail, the whole enterprise will tumble. Her servants consist of beautiful, wealthy, young socialites, but only the most attractive, charming, and talented women are ever considered worthy of attaining the highest ranks. From the highest ringmistresses to the lowest attendants, all are fo- focused on keeping Vanessa DeVore happy, for by sating her constant appetite, the Carnival of Shadows continues to spread its influence.
Wow. That's a lot of information. <laughs> and, the, and the text on online goes into so much detail. It really yeah. explores how she discovered that she had the psychic powers mm-hmm. and an interesting story. And So you were able to cut it down very well. It's still pretty lengthy, but it's. <clears throat> I thought it was a fascinating story because <laughs> when we started doing the carnies naturally in our on our level 50s, mm-hmm. I didn't pay that much attention. When we were first leveling through the first time, I mm-hmm. didn't pay that much attention to storylines and things like that. Right. Now I'm really exploring that more and really trying to enjoy that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So I missed all the backstory, like all the backstory, like <laughs> name Giovanna and Vanessa are familiar and seeing the masked figures when you were going up against the right. different missions. But I didn't pay that much attention to it. And it's such a neat story, I think. Yeah. And of course, what well, most people, their favorite thing about the carnies the are costumes. the costumes. They're just so beautiful. And they're so different from anything else in game because you've yeah. got like the Vazlocks, which are hideously ugly. You've got the Circle of Thorns, which are like these aged, decrepit things with, mm-hmm. you know, spirits. And then you've got the Street Thugs. And then you get to some more, you know, I don't know. It's not that they're prettier, but they're more, I don't know, refined looking characters. Mm-hmm. And so when and you get very to the. Vibrant and colorful. Oh, yeah. The colors for the carnies are beautiful. And the, you know, the Jester hat and the. The, the big, long thigh, the details on the thigh-high boots. It's just all these little elements come together. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. So those are very highly coveted. Yeah. As far as the uh, actually fighting them, the carnies are made up of range, delusion, psychic, and darkness controllers, and big, burly melee tanks. And that, those strongmen can put a hurt yeah. on you. <laughs> the main forces consist of three major types. The beautiful masked attendants, harlequin jugglers, harlequin fencers, seneschals, Ring mistresses and dark ring mistresses. Then there's the giant bronze, iron, and steel strongmen who have these huge mallets and thump on you. Yeah. Finally, there are illusionists and master illusionists who are floating and ethereal. The three arch villains exist that exist within the carnival are the Madam of Mystery and then Giovanna Scaldi and Vanessa DeVore themselves. Right. There's also a badge associated with the carnival. Uh, it is obtained from the master illusionists and consists of defeating 500 of their summoned illusion pets. I think it's called the illusionist badge, right? Mm-hmm. The, we haven't gotten that yet. So. Not yet. We've worked <laughs> on it here and there, and we've fought a, <laughs> we a need lot to, of them. We need to get our guys together and just run through those mission chains mm-hmm. and farm for them. The three pets are decoy illusionists, phantasms, and dark servants. The decoy illusionists will dissipate on their own over a period of time, and as long as you get at least one point of damage before they dissipate, dissipate, you get credit towards the badge. Right, and I was really thrilled to see that. That was also on City Info (laughs) Terminal, and I thought we had to take each one down, and they would despawn and be like, oh, it didn't count. But it actually did count, apparently. And since you have to do 500, that's quite quite a lot of pets. Yeah. The phantasms can actually summon their own pet once they're summoned, called decoy phantasms, which don't count towards the badge at all. So you can completely ignore them and just focus on the phantasms themselves, the decoy illusionists, and the dark servants. And she'll continue to summon those pets. So as long as you don't defeat that initial master illusionist, it only takes one of her to farm all the summoned pets Mm -hmm. for the badge. So you don't have to find... 500 master illusionist to get her to summon one right she will summon and then it will despawn over and over again as long as you don't take her out right and it's um we've run it a few times and we usually had no problem on one team makeup we had a real problem with the master illusionist i think it was just different play styles Mm -hmm. 
And um, so that's something that we need to take the time to do because when you get that illusionist badge, you also get, um, I can't, I'm drawing a blank. I told you, I think it's the, Ag- the Agony Mage Gladiator. Mm. I can't remember, but I went into um, Arena with a friend one time and we mm-hmm. had our gladiators out. And there were, I think, four or five of us, you know, friends that we've played together for over a year. And this one friend had the art, the um, illusionist gladiator. I can't remember what it's called. And he was unbeatable. And mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, are you done yet? We know you're trying to get your wrap up. Can we play <laughs> with other gladiators now? And he's like, one more. And it's like, oh, great. So we just get to watch our, our dudes get pounded <laughs> down into the ground. Then he brought out, you know, other stuff. And we were able to defeat him somewhat. But yeah. that one is a really tough gladiator. Whoa. I really, really covet that. Well, the whole gladiator system's pretty broken. We'll probably talk about it in another episode yeah. all on its own, the different yeah. aspects of the arena. But um, yeah. I think it was pretty hastily put together and not really balanced. Yeah. Well, at least from our point of view. So, I mean, it was fun doing it, but it was just hard to figure out what came up boss level, what came up minion level. That's what frustrated me. Something that I would spawn thinking, oh, it's going to be a boss. He's going to be big and tough, would be a little whiny minion going, help me, help me. <laughs> So that was frustrating for me, but so that was the interesting stuff for carnies. Fascinating. Yeah, you did a good job there. It's a really great story, and hope you enjoyed it. And also, if you can take a moment, give us some feedback on the faction segment that we're doing. If you think they're running too long, if you think we should run them every other episode instead mm-hmm. of every episode, or you know something like that, let us know because we find this stuff really interesting. But if it's boring for you, then you know. We need to know that. Absolutely. Because <laughs> we'll still read it, whether we read it on here or not. Mm-hmm. Just send a note to cohpodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think. Yeah, what he said. topic this episode is everything about enhancements. Enhancements are the items you add to your powers to enhance their abilities. Mm-hmm. They're commonly referred to as hansies in-game. There are currently five major categories of enhancements within CD of Heroes. Within these categories, there are dozens of different aspects that the hansies take. Right. Uh, the major categories are actually the uh, training enhancements, the dual origins, the single origins, the... Invention enhancements, and then there's a special category that uh, have very different aspects to them. When training at a new level, odd levels until your late 30s, then more frequently, you're able to add slots to your powers. Each power is given a single slot once it's chosen, and they can have a maximum of six slots each. These slots are where you place your enhancements. You receive most enhancements as drops from defeating enemies in the game, or as a reward for completing missions. All categories of enhancements can be sold or bought in the consignment house, and most categories can be purchased and sold at origin-specific vendors and stores throughout the game. You place or slot the enhancements to the management interface by clicking on Manage at the top of the inventory tray. All enhancements have a level range in which they can be used. You must meet the minimum security or threat level, if you're a villain, To be able to slot them, also you will outgrow all enhancement categories except for the invention enhancements. 
meaning that they'll turn red and stop working past a certain level. Right. You can combine all enhancements of the same category and aspect, except for the in- invention and special enhances, to increase its current effectiveness and extend its level. Combining allows old enhances to be upgraded at a lower cost than buying new ones. Combining doesn't always work, though, and if it fails, the lower-level enhance is destroyed. And the farther apart they are in level, the higher chance that they will fail to combine. Right. Enhancements will give a percentage boost to the aspect of a power based on its category and type. I'm not going to go into all the different percentages, but simply the minimum and maximum for each category. Paragon Wiki has very complete tables that show which aspects fall in each schedule of percentages. And we will, of course, be linking that in the show notes if you want to dive into the details. As a special note, knockback and interrupt time give significantly higher percentages in all of the categories. So I'm not going to include them in the percentage ranges. Really? I didn't know that. When you look at the category, it's pretty interesting that uh, there's like accuracy and damage or their own little table. And then, yeah. I know that one thing that I did notice in slotting my healer is that like you've got health. I think health hansies are on the same level as accuracy and damage. But then you get something like two-hit mm-hmm. buff, and it's significantly lower mm-hmm. percentage that you're given. I didn't know yeah. that there was one that was significantly higher. That's yeah. interesting. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> the first major category, and the first that you'll encounter in the game, is the training enhancement, sometimes referred to as TOs or training origin. TOs are received as drops, or can be purchased from vendors or the consignment house. Each TO will enhance a power in a specific way. So, for example... There are red damage enhancers and yellow accuracy enhancers and purple defense enhancements and so on. And it follows the color scheme that's throughout the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Some powers can only be enhanced in specific ways. Uh, oh, and when you select an enhancement, the powers that can't use it will dim. Right. So you won't be able to even attempt to place them. And I would say be careful with those purples because some of the descriptions mm-hmm. are misleading and I've and initially, in the first, I don't know, 40 levels, <laughs> I would occasionally buy the wrong yeah. defense, whether it was defense buff or, def, you know, damage resistance or whatever. So yeah. pay close attention to those. I would say watch that. Otherwise, you're going to be selling stuff back at a discounted Yeah, defense amount. defense resistance and damage resistance are very, and very different. defense buff. Yeah, because the healers or use defense, defense buff, buff on, like... Their invisibility defense and stuff like that. So just use a little caution. TOs will give anywhere from 3.5% to 9.6% of a boost to its appropriate attribute, depending on its level. You can slot an enhancement when you are less than three levels below it, and they stop working, they turn red, when you are three levels above it. Before they turn red, they turn yellow, which reduces their right. um, the benefit. benefit a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, when they turn red, they're, it's like they're not even there. Yeah. So a level 10 TO can be used from level 7 all the way to level 13. The next major category is the Dual Origin Enhancement, or DOs. DOs are received as drops, or it can be purchased from vendors or the consignment house. Each DO can only be used by the two origins that they share. Each origin can share their DO with one or two other origins. Right. So if you lay the origins out in a circle, they'll each overlap in a certain way. So natural will overlap with magic, magic with mutation, mutation with science, science with technology, technology with natural, which overlaps with magic, and so on and so on. So you see the actual icons of the DOs themselves mm-hmm. look like they're kind of split in the middle with the little different types of art on each side. Right. 
Other than this origin requirement, DOs work in exactly the same way as TOs. Dual origin enhancements will give anywhere from 7% to 19.2% of a boost to its appropriate attribute depending on its level. The next major category is the single origin SO or single origin <laughs> is the single or origin enhancement, enhancement <laughs> yeah. also known as SOs. SOs are received as drops or can be purchased from vendors or the consignment house. Each SO can only be used by its specific single origin, that's the name. Other than this requirement, they work in exactly the same ways as the DOs and TOs. Single origin enhancements will give anywhere from a 14% to 38.3% of a boost to their appropriate attribute depending on their level. I would like to add that with SOs, mm-hmm. to get your 35, your level mm-hmm. 35 SOs, you have to unlock those. To purchase them from a store, to you have them to from unlock a vendor. the store right. by doing a mission. Right. So at level 32, you would go to either Bricks Town or Founders Falls, mm-hmm. and you would go to that store, the magic store, which is actually a contact that if you have an available mission slot, will give you a mission that you have to run in order to unlock the ability to purchase those from a store. Right. You can, of course, go to, you know, like you said, you can go to consignment house or trade them with other people. But to be able to go and buy them at your own whim, you have to unlock the mission. Mm -hmm. And it's based by origin for which zone. I don't remember off the top of my head which is which. I know mutation (laughs) is in Founders Falls. Right. And then we have the special enhancements. Special. These include the Hamadon enhancements, or Mm -hmm. HOs, the... Hydra enhancements, and the Crystal Titan origin enhancements. They all work the same way, but the Hamadon origin, the HOs, are the most well-known and the most referenced. These are typically only seen in the consignment house nowadays, because it's very rare for people to go hunting the Hamadon anymore. The Hamadon will be its own main topic in a future show. Uh, It's the largest, toughest boss in the whole game, and requires dozens and dozens of heroes to form a raid, and spend many, many, many hours to defeat it. Once it's defeated, each participant will receive a single randomly assigned HO. And, you know, you have a lot of slots in the game. So um, at one time they were very, very expensive. Actually, they're still very, very, very expensive. They're going for a lot still. Because not very many people have the Hammond anymore. Well, I'll tell you what, though. There's been an increase recently on the Hammy raids. There have been... I've seen several postings on our server, and I'm sure at least as many, if not more, percentage-wise on the mm-hmm. other servers where people are doing it successfully in under an hour. Wow. So I don't know if they're all being done that quickly, but there's definitely been yeah. some major work done in you know, cracking what works. Yeah. And it's frustrating for some people to even want to attempt it because now for the hammy race used to be... Oh, we're going to do it later. Yeah. I'm just going to stop talking about hammy rays. We'll talk about that another time. I'm sorry. But they are more rare than they used to be for sure. The Hydra Origins are received in the Abandoned Sewers Trial, and the Crystal Titan Origins are received in the Eden Trial. What makes all of these special origins special is that each one will enhance the strength of two or sometimes three attributes in a single slot. For example, one Centrial Exposure Hamadon Origin will enhance damage of one power by 33.33% and the range of that power by 20%, all in a single slot. The percentages of special enhances are the same as for SOs for their respective aspects, so it gives you a lot of bang for buck to really expand what you can do with your six slots on any given power. Were those the percentages for a level 50 HO? Probably, mm-hmm. right? It's probably, because that's what you probably. have slotted on your guy. Yeah. And since you can slot enhancements that are three right. levels higher, you can actually get level 53 
HOs. HO drops. Mm-hmm. The uh, final major category is the Invention Enhancements, or IOs, which came out with Issue 9. IOs are crafted from Recipes and Invention Salvage. You can receive the components as separate drops or purchase them from the consignment house. Uh, you can also buy the actual completed IOs uh, in the consignment themselves. house. Right. Recipes than, or enhancements. Rather than having to build them. Right. IOs are actually divided into two subcategories. And the two subcategories are further divided, divided into all the different common aspect types. So first there's the IOs that act mostly like SOs, with the exception that you never outlevel them. They will continue to give the exact same percentage bonus that they did when you first slotted them. Of course, upgrading to a higher level IO when you're able to will give a higher percentage bonus. But at least they don't suddenly stop working like the TOs, DOs, and SOs. Invention enhancements will give anywhere from a 7% to 42.4% of a boost to its appropriate attribute depending on its level. The second subcategory of IOs are the sets. Most sets act like HOs and that they will improve multiple attributes simultaneously in a single slot. However, they have an additional bonus. Depending on how many slots you fill with a certain set of IOs, additional bonuses become active. For instance, the Numina's Convalescence mm, tasty. is specifically for healers. Mm-hmm. They have the following bonuses. If you slot two Numina's, it improves your overall regeneration of all powers by 12%. Slotting three Numinas increases your maximum health by 1.88%. Slotting four improves the healing of all of your healing powers by 6%. Five reduces the duration of hold effects on you by 3.3%. And slotting six increases the range defense by 3.75%. So they all have to be slotted in the same power. Right. And so that's six slots on one power. And when you're a higher level and you have many of these sets with similar bonuses, you can imagine those little 1.8s and 3.3s stacking to really add up to a, a, a significant bonus. Right. And that was something to stress because friends of ours had confusion on that. You do have to slot them in one power, mm-hmm. and it has to be a power that's active. So if you, for instance, slot Luck of the Gambler into your your stealth, mm-hmm. you have to have the stealth on to get that that bonus to get the benefit right right it's not on just because you have it slotted Mm -hmm. it has to be toggled so be careful where you slot those things and be aware of that sort of thing there's a table i'll link i'll link to on paragon wiki that shows all of the different sets and all the different benefits so it's a really good idea to look through there for the the different things that you're really looking for Mm -hmm. and and pick which ones you want to put where and a lot of people They'll look for certain bonuses that give the overall regen effect, right, for regen or mm-hmm. health regen or endurance recovery, and they'll slot those in some of the always-on powers. Right. So that way, you you're always getting the the benefit. Right. And you can, I mean, you can also slot, and I haven't tried this, but you could slot Numinas in heal other and heal or right, sure. or luck of the gambler in stealth and in you know I don't know hover. Yeah, as so long as as long as the benefit. aspect matches, then yeah. Right, as long as within stealth you have three of that different, mm-hmm. then you'll get that benefit. And if you look at um, your what is it menu personal info where you mm-hmm. said to look to find right the same information. Like if you see somebody and you click on them and you hit info to see what they've got, you know their power set or their description. If you go into menu. Personal info, you can see that same thing about yourself, and it actually will show what you have active. It'll add up all of your set bonuses Mm -hmm. and show you in a nice little display. Yeah. 
So those are all the different enhancement categories. I want to go over some quick techniques that people do um, to get the best benefit out of all the different enhancements. Slotting enhancements of the same aspect in a power gives diminishing returns, which a lot of people don't realize at first. This is officially referred to as enhancement diversification, which was introduced in issue 5. It means that after you fill two slots with the same enhancement aspect, uh, for instance, accuracy, when you slot a third slot with it, it'll give significantly less of a boost. Right. Generally, there's no real benefit gained from slotting more than three of the same aspect in a single power. For instance, a fire blaster might slot three accuracy and three damage for their six slots on their flares power. Slotting only two accuracies and four damage would give a lot less accuracy, like 33% less, but only a couple more percentage points of damage. Right. Apparently, before that issue, you could get something like 300% damage output on a single power. And people are still I, so mad yeah. about that. They, I mean, you still hear that on the forums. We weren't playing when they did it. That was before our time. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, people will talk about like the animation time changes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And people will start talking about ED, which is when they did it. And it's just... Which, oh, that must some, have been horrifying to them when they logged back in and they had to, you know, re yeah. <laughs> learn how to play all over again. And ED has a rather appropriate shared acronym. <laughs> Erectile dysfunction. Oh, <laughs> I didn't get that. Erectile dysfunction, you say? Oh, enhancement dysfunction. Let's call it that. <laughs> Talk about emasculating. Good lord. <laughs> Another technique, advanced players will slot the various enhancement categories at specific level ranges to maximize their effectiveness. If you're keeping track of the percentages in the descriptions I I mentioned previously, there is some overlap in the percentages of benefit you derive from each enhancement type. The theory says to use IOs at level 10, then switch to DOs at level 12, SOs at 22, then switch back to IOs at 37. This gives you the highest percentages for each slot at all times. I don't subscribe to this method because it's really expensive for one. And the differences between what IOs give you and what DOs or SOs give for their optimum levels is really only a few percentage points here and there. And it just seems like a big pain in the butt. Well, and that was one of the things that I liked about the IOs is because I could slot something and roll. And then when I would respec for one thing or another, then I could get the higher level IOs. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't forced to go be rock rebuy everything which you know when we did when we slotted SOs at uh, for the first time at 22 it was over a million when you slot them later in the game it would be a couple million and Mm -hmm. you know it's not just us that we play for it's you know nephews and kids and so a lot of our money gets burned up on their costume changes and stuff (laughs) so those are one of the things I like now the percentages do add up it's not you know it there is a difference for using those others. So if you're really trying to, like our friends, really want to get every percentage point that's available to them. Mm-hmm. So they do SOs until they hit 37. And they think we're crazy. Mm-hmm. But it's just what works for us. We want yeah. to get in and play and not worry about managing handsies all the time. Right. So I've gotten in the habit of slotting TOs and DOs just kind of as they drop. Right. And deck out and all IOs at around level 12. I'll add IOs in the new slots as I level up and replace them all when I hit 22 with level 25 IOs. Then I start figuring out which sets I want to work on and slowly bid on them in the consignment house. You can get some really great deals if you're patient. Right. Which is the key in the consignment house. Totally. 
This method doesn't give me the absolute optimum percentages, but I don't think the difference is really noticeable for my play style. And not having to upgrade DOs and SOs all the time, coupled with selling salvage and enhancements and recipes, I can bank a whole lot of money that way as I level. Right. Which goes to uh, maximizing your money. There's a common trick to maximize your money in the game by using your respecs just before it's time to swap out all of your enhancements. This goes hand-in-hand with the practice of swapping from DOs to SOs to IOs uh, for the more power gamers. To fully slot everything with SOs at level 25, for instance, costs around a million influence, like Viv said. So every bit you can sell back really helps. You will receive the selling price and influence for any enhancement that you do not reslot when you perform a respec. Right. So instead of like getting an SO drop to you, you get like, what is it, half or two thirds or something right. like that of what it would cost you to buy it. Right. At that point, at your respec point, whatever you don't reslot, you get what it would have cost you. Mm-hmm. Since you can use enhancements which are three levels higher than you, it's best to save your respecs for levels that end in two or seven. In this way, you can respec at 12 to afford the level 15 DOs, then respec at 17 for level 20 DOs, respec at 22 for level 25 SOs, at 27 for level 30 SOs, uh, level 32 for the 35 SOs, and finally respec at 37 for the cash to buy all of the new IOs. This gives you the most money back and the best percentages for your slots. Of course, that's a lot of respects, so you'll need to plan wisely at which points you need that cash infusion and skimp by as you can in between. Right. And a lot of this is stuff that we learned with our um, our other characters. And, of course, Issue 9 and Inventions have really changed that. You know, there's a lot more money in the, in the, um, in the world now, in Paragon now. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, I mean, on one server I sold a piece of salvage. I, she's level 10. And she's got over a million because of one good piece of salvage drop. Wow. So, you know, it's changed it a little bit, but it still kind of comes down to, you know, where do you want to spend your influence? Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we're grown ups and we're not kids, like our aspect of it is very, our point of view is very different from our 10-year-old. Right. Our 10-year-old, every time there's an issue, he runs out and gets every new costume, changes auras, changes capes, changes, <laughs> you know, he's all very much about standing in the peach pit and looking cool. And we're like, okay, where am I going to get squeak out another 5% regen bonus? So, you know, it's just different for what people want. And so find what works best for you. These are just our tips that we've learned along the way. Well, that wraps up another episode. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming back and listening or listening for the first time. And again, we would love to hear from you guys on what aspects you enjoy, what aspects you think we could shorten and maybe do less of if you want Mm -hmm. more information. If there's something in particular that you're interested in, shoot us a question. We may not know the answer, but, you know, we'll get to researching and try (laughs) and find it for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I haven't decided what the next topic will be yet. I was debating whether going on the progression of these more basic topics or jumping to something more advanced and and in-depth. Right. Um, I would love to spend, maybe instead of just doing a little news thing on Ouroboros, Maybe unless we hear from folks otherwise that there's something else that they want to hear, maybe we could just do a nice little in-depth of what our run in Ouroboros mm-hmm. was like. Sure. Cool, because I know that I I don't always jump into things first when they launch, and I'm right. really excited about this one, so I really want to get in and explore, and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but I think it would be a fun topic. Absolutely. 
cool. maybe doing it as its own episode. Um, people could just skip that episode until they've had their own chance to experience Absolutely. the content, and then they can come back to it later. Spoiler alert. Yeah, let's try and do that. Unless we hear that there's something you guys want to hear about. So, again, this may or may not be in two sections. If this is in two sections, then thanks for listening twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much content. We have so much fun with this game. We enjoy it so much. We plan on keeping it at 30 minutes, and as we're looking at the timer on record, we're going, holy cow, what do we do? What do we talk about? Why did you talk so long? So, you know, we apologize for the link, but we do try to include the interesting points. Yeah. Until next time. Thanks for listening. out this episode. We'll be back to you in a couple days with another newscast. This podcast and the Oxfoot.com website are not in any way affiliated with NCSoft, Cryptic Studios, or City of Heroes. All views expressed are solely of the host and his guests. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License, which is explained in detail at Oxford.com. Good hunting, heroes. <laughs>